Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Pod, Robert, I'm behind the bastards. This is a Robert Evans about people who aren't nice. Jesus Christ, that didn't work out well. I liked it. Oh, thank you. Okay, well then that's the intro every single day from now on. Uh, Chris, just, like just copy much. copy and paste that for every future episode. Did not episode. like it that much. Well, we're here today for a special episode of Behind the Bastards. Uh, it, it's very different from our normal episodes. I don't have anything prepared or written, but after watching Tiger King, Billy and I got together via Sophia, via the text messaging app that these kids are all using today's texting. It's with the kids. They love it. Uh, and we started talking about how this show made us feel. And we decided that we should probably do that for like an hour or so. And I, I think even more than talking about Tiger King, we're going to wind up talking about the South and the rural United States. Because the, the, the overwhelming impression I have as a result of Tiger King is that most of my fellow Americans, because the majority of Americans live in urban areas and they live outside of the South, most of my fellow Americans felt like this was some sort of bizarre fairy tale as opposed to like I've known every fucking one of these people every single <laughs> every one single of one of them yeah so Billy how are you doing today I'm good I mean I'm hi Billy must- hey Sophie it's good to see you guys even like, yeah just like this do you guys yeah. like my attire today I, dre- I yeah. dressed it on theme Sophie's wearing leopard print uh, so she's she's ready to go Not work with matching Doc leopard print. Anderson's wearing some sort of jungle print. We look awful. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do look like you're like a 
like a super target customer somewhere. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, You look Billy. like you're going to explain to me why the master says that we can't eat in the dining room and instead I have to eat in a barn off of a floor for the first nine months that I'm cleaning up the elephant slop. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a thing that happens kind of to people who join Doc Antley's. Anyway, Billy, you want to tell me about your experience with, with, with Tiger King? Well, I mean, someone's, I had heard of it. I had heard of Joe Exotic before because uh, friends of mine's podcast, the yeah. last podcast guys, like Henry and Ben and those guys, they had, they came, he came up on their radar because they have the weirdo, wonderful weirdo radar. So, but I forgot about it, and then as I'm watching it, I was like, I know who this dude is. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, I think my wife was like, some of this is unbelievable, and I was like, well, I think they're leaving out the meth part. Yes. They allude they... to it, but not until like one of the last episodes. They're like, oh, and by the way, everybody was really, really fucked up. Yeah, that was, that was the thing where like there was some of it where it was like all of this makes perfect sense with people I grew up around or with, and then people I've encountered traveling my whole life. If yeah, you leave a city, you're just like, yeah, they it's or even in the city. I mean, there's a there's a little person in this neighborhood I used to work in in New York City who had a Great Dane who was taller than him. And yeah, and every I, I remember. Th- Everyone was like, "Isn't that crazy?" And I was like, "Nah, he would, mm-hmm. he would no. fit right in in my <laughs> yeah. hometown. That guy is like perfect." Yeah, or I don't the think guy pe- who walks his goat on Hollywood Boulevard every day. Yeah, that doesn't even like. I've stopped at a gas station in Louisiana that had a tiger. Like yes. it was a gas station tiger in Louisiana. I don't think it's there anymore. Um, I think though that they've replaced it with emo. They've replaced it with some sort of weird animal. Like the and there's alligators too. Like there's, I've lost track of the number of animals. In gas stations specifically throughout the South that should not be on display in those places. It's not an uncommon thing to encounter. And I, I guess some of why this didn't seem weird to me. I, I grew up three hours away from Joe Exotic. Yeah. Um, like Winnie Woods, about three hours away from Idabel 2, something like that. Um, and it's, I, as a little kid, some of my earliest memories are like driving to and from, you know, different chunks of Oklahoma and you would see these and there was more than one different type of, we have a bunch of tigers on some land ads that you would see by the highway. And all of them are the same business, which is a dangerous person has acquired 300 acres of land and a, an, an indiscriminate number of large cats. And that's the business. That's the business. <laughs> that is the business. It was just always a part of my life. Um, I remember so, noticing yeah. driving through Texas. This was like probably ten years ago, and you just you're used to seeing. I grew up. Mm-hmm. My grandpa had cattle, so there's a certain height of fence you're used to seeing. Yeah. And then every now and then you'd see one there. It's like, why is that motherfucker twenty feet? Oh, because they've got some stuff you shouldn't have in Texas. <laughs> yeah, they have illegal animals. Well, they're not illegal animals because Texas. I didn't um, say illegal. I said yeah, shouldn't, yes, shouldn't have, have in Texas. Very fair. 
Yeah. So we should like the the statistics. Like one thing you'll hear a lot that I have repeated myself that may or may not be true is the idea that there are more big cats in private ownership in Texas than there are uh, in the wild. And this may or may not be true. Um, it might not be true for specific Texas, but it is for the United States. They want. The, I saw that. Stat. Yeah, it's, it's probably horrifying. true for the United States. Five thousand is a reasonable estimate, and most of those more. are in private hands. Um, well, you'll you'll hear various estimates. Five thousand is the is the kind of credible kind of kind of credible minimum estimate. I would say. I don't know. It's hard to say because all of the a lot of people will say no. There's not nearly as many. Like five, even five thousand is too high. But all of their data is based on like official government numbers for who's say, allowed to own these animals. <laughs> and the people that want these animals aren't. They're going to lie on a census. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're never going to tell you. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, in fucking Los Angeles, California, I got a couple of my tattoos in a tattoo shop that was a former shark tank for a drug dealer. Like the it was a, it was a warehouse that he had converted to his mansion and the room that later when he got busted became a tattoo shop was where his shark lived. That <laughs> like is... shit like this. That shark wasn't on a registry? <laughs> no. No, he was not. <laughs> It's He's estimated, still not on the registry. It's <laughs> no, estimated not. that He's there in are some cops ten, right wait, now. guys, listen to the stat. There's estimated that there are ten thousand to twenty thousand big yeah. cat, big cats in the U.S. But those are those are problematic numbers too, because those are all from the Humane Society, right, or from um, some animal welfare society, right? No, this is held in private ownership, and it's from. Yeah, but where's the the number from? I've seen I've seen this number on several different websites. I'm not yeah, sure where they're getting I, it. it 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 tends to track back in in my from my research it always tracks back to the humane society or someone similar which isn't necessarily a bad source but like also they make their money based off of donations from convincing people that a lot of tigers and stuff are being harmed so it's like there's no we have no way of knowing. Like the actual answer is that there are thousands of tigers in America, and no one will ever know how many there are or who has them. No, because they're, they're a lot just of people all over keep the place. Them fuck too. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and so I I we were talking about this a little earlier, and I think I'm of the opinion that in terms of from a legal standpoint. I think Carol Baskin is probably in the right. I think she dotted her I's and crossed her T's. I believe every complaint she has about the humane issues uh, with with Joe Exotics, uh, <laughs> Tiger. Uh, yes, plantation. but that's like saying every yeah. like it, legally everything Dick Cheney did was cool too. Yeah, she's a Dick Cheney type person. Yeah, I I think she and Doc Antley and Joe Exotic are all murderers. <laughs> um, and I don't know who they've killed. Like, I'm not even saying I think that 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 uh, she killed her husband. Uh, I have no idea. Rich old, like I, one of the things you learn spending a lot of time in rural America is rich men in their 70s disappear for a lot of reasons. Yeah, they do. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. they just leave. A lot of sometimes they, they just leave. leave. Yeah, he yeah. might just be in Mexico. One yeah, of they've my, been thinking no about that for it. 40 years. Like one day I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna leave. One of my favorite <laughs> uh, things go. that I've read since watching this is what's on her big cat rescue.org about refuting Netflix Tiger King mm -hmm. and their use of a meat grinder graphic <laughs> like that oh. was a choice you made <laughs> and yeah. it's just like a 10 minute video of her husband being like if Kim Kardashian you're welcome here anytime I know you tweeted like so do we think Carol's a murderer and like I don't know if anybody had spent a minute with Carol they would know, but like, Kim, you can come. 
not all of you can come, but Kim, you can come. It's really funny. It's, yeah, Carol, Carol is, so there's, I think what I wanted to really get into, even more than specific discussion about Tiger King, is the kind of people that these folks are. Because all three of these main main characters in the documentary are part of um, a classification of human being that exists only in America. Uh, and and I would I would broadly describe them all as rich off grid criminals. Now, every town that is sufficiently in the middle of nowhere has a rich off grid person, if not more than one, and they fall into two groups. They're all criminals. Every single one of them has committed some sort of serious <laughs> crimes. There are the nonviolent criminals. So these are people who embezzled money, who committed tax fraud, who stole a bunch of money, who were in the drug business. And they're awesome. If you can hang yes. out with those people, do, because uh, they have techni- cool now, shit. Technically, what I did was steal from the church. That is technically yeah. what I did. Yes. Fuck it. I did embezzle people, uh, $100 million from a church. But you could, Fuck it. Yeah, and they always have weird animals, and they're often very nice people, and they have cool houses, and you can shoot on their land, and they a lot of them rule. They then, are fun until they are not. That's well, who these people are. <laughs> that's a lot. It depends, like the nonviolent ones, and it can be hard to tell. The nonviolent ones <laughs> I've had good relationships with, but the the other half of the rich off grid criminals are violent criminals. Yes, they are, and yes. they are usually the outwardly nicest. Um, yes. <laughs> like, Doc Antley, I think, is the kind of person that I've run into the most in my travels through rural America. He seems very familiar to me. Keith um, Raniere guy? He's got a, he's got some Keith Raniere energy. I met a couple of Doc Antleys out in Slab City. Um, mm, okay. Like, it, it is a type of dude you meet out in the middle of nowhere who knows a bunch of cool shit. They always have, like, a bunch of talents. They're usually real good at building shit. They have... Um, something that they have created that draws people to them. And they are usually very friendly, and the longer you know them, the more controlling you realize they are. That is the type of person you run into. Um, They understand parts of human nature in a way most people don't, Mm -hmm. but they're using their power for usually sex. You almost always sex. Yes. (laughs) In an interview he gave, like, on a radio station after this came out, he said that all those women, you know, were relatives, daughters, uh, his children's wives, you know, he's... (laughs) I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, y'all are all related, sir. I, I, I got no judgments for like a polyamorous guy who wants to be, li, who live on a compound because I'm a polyamorous guy who wants to live on a compound. Mm-hmm. And yes, mm-hmm. if I could have a tiger, I would have a tiger. For um, sure. yeah, but no, we know that. We, this is all yeah, this, that was yeah. that was very clear from the beginning, sir. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he uh, I, I got a story I want to tell about, but you don't want to sell their cubs. You don't want to sell their cubs. And Doc Antley like, has been accused of some horrific stuff. Um, he has more than 35 uh, USDA violations for mistreating animals um, as a result of his farm. The Humane Society tracked one of his tiger cubs that he claims are, you know, very ethically sort of, you know, uh, sold to different, like, reputable people that wound up on, like, just a, basically a tiger farm in the middle, I think, of, I think, South Carolina, and it was, like, sent over with ringworm at three weeks old, which is too young, and was, like, immediately put into a petting zoo. Um, 
Yeah, he, he's done. He does a bunch of fucked up shit. He's also apparently a really good tiger trainer because he's his his tigers and shit. Like they've been in a bunch of movies. Like I, he knows his shit. He's not like bad at what he does. He's a bad person who has created a tiger breeding mill. <laughs> yeah, he's like a he's like one of those country music singers in the fifties or sixties. Yeah, where they have this gift. Yes, and they use their gift for. Like you said, mostly usually like bad money stuff or bad sex stuff. That's what because they realize like I have this thing that attracts people, and I, I can get them to do what I want, and then move on to the next. Yeah, there's certain. Everyone has talents, but most of us don't have a talent that is so specific and desirable that we don't have to ever learn anything else. Yeah. And if sure. you are good at making tigers like you and and keeping them alive and training them and stuff, because of, number one, the fact that there's money in that, and number two, the fact that people lose their fucking minds around cats, which, again, I lose my fucking mind around cats. I can't think straight when I see... I've seen... I've, I've, I've been to the places where they have little baby tigers, and it short-circuits your fucking brain. I understand how these women get, like, yeah. like stuck in this for years. Because, like, yeah, if I got to... I would put up with a lot of shit to get to play with baby tigers every day. Yeah, that it's was, drugs. It, it, it's yeah, drugs. It's, it's, it's the most... <laughs> they're junkies. I, That's what he's doing. Yeah. He's creating, like, these yeah. tiger junkies. That's... Mm -hmm. I did a... Yeah, I went... When I did this documentary I hosted a couple years ago, we went to this cat lady in Perunth, Nevada, and she wasn't... Mm -hmm. She didn't... She wasn't trying to make money off this at all. Like, it wasn't... She was a divorced lady. Now, her her ex-husband was still alive. Uh, Good to know. It was... Yeah, it was interesting. I was like, oh, that's probably why she made that's such a point. Like, when I watched Tiger yeah. King, I was like, I remember thinking, like, that's why she was so clear about her husband still being alive, because we were all like, why she... Why'd she say that like that? <laughs> right. But we it's didn't true. know who Carol Baskins was then. Do you know what I mean? But she yeah. did. I guarantee you she did. Uh, and her whole thing was like, she rescued them. Yeah, I uh, I had, I, I do have some friends who live out in the middle of nowhere who have a lot of land and are looking at like figuring out how they can like get in, get involved in a program to like rehab big cats that have been like abused or confiscated from drug dealers. There's ways to do that. I have a friend who does giant lizards. Um, you know, uh, like th there are programs if you are a if you're a, if you're a non grifter, non monster, and you're like, I want to make my whole life be about having a giant cat that I take care of. That's a dream you can achieve in this country, and I love that about America. Um, <laughs> it is great. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, but it also like we don't talk enough about the mind altering power of cats. I had some friends who kind of accidentally acquired an F1 hybrid civet, um, which is like a wild, it, it was like, I don't know, 20, 30 pound, half wild cat. Um, enough of a house cat that it kind of, it looked like an enormous, very muscular house cat. Yeah, with um, the long tail? Is that what the one you're yeah, talking about? Yeah. Yeah, and, and very smart and very sweet, very personable, very um, trainable, but also destroyed everything. Yeah, um, like could not be stopped. <laughs> yeah. And they they put up with it for so long because they just love that fucking cat so much. <laughs> it was, you know, eventually they found a farm for it. But it was this thing of where I could see it like, you guys know this is a bad idea. He's destroying your house. You can't stop him from pooping everywhere. Like he's 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 murdering every animal in the neighborhood. <laughs> I think you're, it sounds like it, it's like a, you sound like uh, you're describing someone that was with Charlie Sheen. Is also yeah, 
Where it's like, yeah. he's fun and like a lot of times like very engaging, but then every now and then he'll destroy everything you own just because. Yeah. I've known some people who know Andy Dick, and the stories are not dissimilar. But big cats are well, much better behaved. <laughs> I would, I've been around, I've been around Andy Dick on several occasions. Uh, so every story I've ever heard, I'm like, yes. And then I would much rather be around a big cat, uh, yeah, than Andy Dick. I would say I that. Would, so I wanted to get into a little bit of like one of the posts that I saw from a friend of mine on Twitter after they finished Tiger King was. I just finished Tiger King, and I've realized that I don't understand the South at all. Um, and I love that people are having this reaction, because there's some important stuff in Tiger King. Because a lot of what people think is weird in Tiger King is not weird. Like, Joe's relationship with his guns and Tannerite is I so fucking common. The the putting faces on it not, is a little weird, but not even that weird. Like, such I've a good point, that. Robert. Yeah. Such yeah. a good point. Like... <laughs> I would go on Twitter and like this. Some of the stuff people were like, I couldn't believe this. Like I was like, oh, that didn't even register in my brain yeah. as an odd thing. This guy just, just always wears a gun. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you know what? You see him use it for a very practical purpose at one point. He needs to have a gun if you're walking around in tiger cages. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Or where if he hey, or if the straight gets... kid that you're yeah. left up to Mary's mom shows up, you got to shoot at her feet sometimes. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah, there's tons of videos of Hunter Thompson out in his farm in Colorado getting into friendly gunfights with his neighbors. It's not weird, okay? It's, I've seen it. <laughs> I'm from the South. We used to shoot cannons at each other on mm -hmm. the 4th of July. It's Yeah. That's pretty yeah, cool, we, not gonna We lie. used to fire into Lake Texoma until we had to run away from the Coast Guard. You know, we, you'd, you'd blow up chunks of the country every year. It was just a... It's not weird, okay? <laughs> the state park superintendent where I live, son, set off a bomb in the state park. <laughs> and all of us were like, oh, yeah, yeah, that checks out. Spencer would do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I've also seen people talk about like how weird it is that like law enforcement wasn't involved in more chunks of this, that like these people are just kind of <laughs> left to their own devices. And it's, again, this like, I think those people have spent most of their time in the city um yes i i can remember one time out on my um uh my partner's property uh in the middle of fucking nowhere in texas we had as a result of um a a, a younger relative of hers making a poor decision with fireworks a brush fire that immediately mm -hmm. got out of control and got to like the acre and a half two acres it was going to like hit the vehicle parking lot where we had all of our cars because there were a lot of folks there and like burn down this house it was like a bad wildfire and like as we're scrambling to put this fucking thing out she's on the phone with the fire department and they tell her finally like we can't figure out where you are and hang up oh my god <laughs> that's that that's a lot of people's experience with like yeah that's what the law is out here yes <laughs> like if there's a murder someone will come eventually <laughs> and and y'all y'all are yeah. telling us you don't know who did that you're telling us <laughs> you're trying to tell us the police that all seven of y'all that live out there mm -hmm. don't know who killed one of you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't want to be here after dark, so I guess that's the end of this investigation. <laughs> that's... Well, and I, I think one of my... the One of the parts I laughed the hardest at, and I know I shouldn't, but when they showed the footage from Zanesville, Ohio, the press conference of that small-town sheriff, he was like... <laughs> 
He's like, there's 12 lines, there's four bears, and one goddamn baboon. The way he said it was just like, you can't say the F word, but he said the F. It was just like, and a baboon is loose. And I was like, I just, I was like cry laughing in the bed. And my wife was like, what's, what's so funny about that? I was like, I don't know. I'm just picturing that's exactly what my town would do. Like, I'm just picturing people I know growing up being in mm-hmm. that position, being like, you think you want to shoot a line your whole life, and then you're looking at one in the face, and you're like, this is the scariest, worst thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've spent some long nights, actually, out in a farm as uh, a, a dear friend of mine is uh, spraying down, like, fucking crops um and like waiting for a mountain lion with a rifle because we were you know we were out in fucking rural central california and it was a drought season and there were like the fucking the big cat it, that was in the area because there's usually you know in yeah. an area like that there's like a big cat that everyone knows about you see signs of it you don't see the cat usually cuz they're fucking good at not being seen yeah. but there will be you know, in, in this case, like some of the land she was on, um, this was like my partner at the time, like some of the land she was working on had had little horses um, and they were just like torn apart. You would just see pieces of them in the morning. And it was like, OK, this is clearly a problem because normally the mountain lion doesn't come this close to yeah. human beings. It was close to the house. And so and people in town started talking about like, yeah, it might kill somebody. Don't be out alone in the field at night. Yeah. So I've spent nights of my life like with a rifle being like. I hope I don't meet any cats, because <laughs> I I've got an AK-47, but also I know I'm not faster or better at hunting than that cat. <laughs> yeah, and by the time I realize I need to use this AK-47, yeah. that cat has got me. Yeah, and I don't trust the stopping power of a weapon that will put down human beings very easily to put down a cat that quickly. <laughs> no. And another one of the scary things, speaking of terrifying rich people I've known in the middle of nowhere, I've known some folk who did, who hunted (laughs) animals like that with crossbows and would get very close and stalk cats on their own with a fucking bow. (laughs) And those are people you don't want to fuck with. No. (laughs) No, because they're better at hunting than a big cat. (laughs) Yes. And they're getting something out of it a cat doesn't. Yeah. And they're, they're... I don't want to. I will not say which state this person is. I will not say their name. Um, I will say those were not legal cat hunts. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, of course right. not. <laughs> Robert, do you know? Do you know what else is 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 not a legal cat hunt? You know what won't illegally hunt mm. mountain lions? No, what? Well, unless it's the Coke Coke Industries, Charles Coke cannot get erect without bathing his penis in the blood of an infant mountain lion. Um, and that's, 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 that's on record. He, uh, he, he talks about that openly. So that's, this is consider this legally binding Coke well, lawyers. That, I mean, there's a reason he chose Wichita. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Uh, it is the <laughs> masturbate with cat blood state. Mm-hmm. That's what they call Kansas. Here's some ads. Services. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini-games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. 
and there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. Um, and I kind of wanted to move to telling some stories, Billy, because I think okay. we both have stories of kooky folks we've met out in nowhere who, I, I, I kind of, my goal with this is like, I'm glad that people are enjoying Tiger King. It is a fun show. I enjoyed it myself. I would like people to understand how many Tiger Kings there are out there in the world, even the ones that don't have tigers. Yeah, I don't think if you didn't grow up in the in the south or not even in the south, if you didn't grow up in a rural area, I don't think you truly even then. Okay, here's the thing. Even then, if you didn't live outside of town, you might not understand these people too. I think that has something to like because like yeah. even where I'm from, because of where I lived out in the quote unquote country part of my rural county, I was still like a country. There were like we people that lived in yeah. town. We considered them city kids. Yeah, yeah, and that that I think that is a part of it. Like there's there's rural, and then there's like fucking nowhere you know yes yeah there's rural and then there's there are not services yeah yeah there's rural (laughs) and then there's where your buddy's dad who's a game warden tells you not to go yeah 
Yeah, there's if you cross onto and the wrong line, like, well, they just shoot people because they got pot fields out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I was out nowhere adjacent, and one of those I was in a rural town um, that was kind of bordered by fucking nowhere. Uh, this would have been five, six years ago with my partner at the time, and it was around uh, Thanksgiving, and we were. Uh, out on the town, walking around, and she had uh, an an Israeli Air Force shirt on. Um, it was not a political statement. I don't think either of us uh, were... Yeah, it, it was just she liked the logo on it. It's a shirt she'd had for years. So she's wearing the shirt, and a guy picks it out, and he's like, hey, you know, it, it's good to see somebody else who likes Israel. You know, I was in the IDF, and we were like, oh, cool. And we talked for like 10 minutes, um, and he... Uh, he's he, he invites us over to his house for dinner for the night. And this is a guy, late 40s, early 50s, something mm-hmm. like that, um, does not sound Israeli, sounds very American. But, you know, there's a, a sizable number of American, like, born, you know, Jewish folks who, who went to Israel, served in the IDF, came back. That's the thing that happened. So no alarm bells yet, just like this nice guy who uh, invites us out to his farm. So we drive out. About an hour and a half from the town, maybe less, but we drive out quite a, a, a ways from the town to get to this guy's house, and this is the middle of the fucking mountains, and we are, like, his his house is at the foot of one mountain that's maybe five, six, seven thousand 7,000 feet, and then there's a 14,000-foot peak, like, kind of a couple of miles back, so he is, he is in some fucking rough country, and he's got this gigantic, beautiful stone ranch mansion that's, like, my, it's, it's still to this day, like, my from the outside my dream home like made out of like like clearly a hundred something years old made out of like beautiful like stonework um and then mm-hmm. there's this like massive complex of uh uh pastures and pins and like a ton of horses and cows on land it's just this amazing ranch setup and so we're like oh shit we're gonna meet like i love meeting cool people who own compounds in the middle of the woods because you get to do fun shit on them so we think this is that so we yes. meet this guy um, we, we head into his house and the first thing we notice is that there's no furniture in his house except for in one corner of one room. The second <laughs> is that one of the empty living rooms is filled with bags of marijuana, which is not that weird for us, but it also makes it clear like, oh, okay, like this is not big, like big bags a normal residence. He's uh, probably 60 to 100 pounds, you know, that was okay. just kind of sitting out. So not like the biggest operation in the world, but he's clearly running a pot farm that's not tiny, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's also clear that like, oh, you don't really, like you live here, but you don't really live here. This is a bit of a trap house, you know? Yes. <laughs> like, but the other thing that we notice is that the one corner of the big living room that has furniture has like a couple of couches and then probably 500 or more different kind of knives knives and swords and not and this is the thing you know me i got i i love i love i love knives i have a ton of knives around me there's knives hanging up on my walls i'm always surrounded by knives uh, not a, I'm not going to judge a man for owning knives. These were not the kind of knives that a person who is uh, that a reasonable person owns. Do you, you remember Bud K catalogs? May yeah, vaguely. It's like all of the knives that look like they were from like a low budget horror movie where they're like claw like Wolverine claws that you can stick on your fist or like these like yes. curved daggers made out of and they're all made out of like shitty steel and they all break and they all look like something that like a bad superhero from the 1990s would have like welded to his body like toy knives and he has like 500 of these all stacked in a corner of the room around his couch. 
And so that's weird, but he's very nice, and he brings us in, and he introduces us to his child bride, um, no. which is when things get problematic. So again, this guy is in his mid-40s to early 50s, maybe. His wife is not a day over 18, and they have clearly been dating for a while. Oh. And it becomes clear <laughs> through conversations that she is, is not this in is contact my wife with her I'm family. Uh. <laughs> yeah, this is my wife I'm raising. Um and she cooks us a lovely dinner, and we I have bet, a very I bet sure as hell she does. Yes, mm-hmm. uh huh. And doesn't talk much, and he's very polite and tells us about his mom, who was some sort of great hero in the Israeli army. And it was all lies. It was very clear that it was all like, no, your mom didn't kill sixty guys in this one fight during the like. It just didn't happen. Like you're just lying about a person who isn't real, <laughs> um, and. He repeatedly, the thing that got to be really unsettling is he would repeatedly, every time, like, you know, I try to be polite to human beings. So every time, like, his wife would, like, bring in food or, like, would refill a drink, I would thank her or I would thank him when he was, like, bringing in. And he'd be like, every time either of us thanked him, he would be like, you know, not enough people show respect anymore. That's what I like is seeing respect. People need to, like, that's what makes someone a good person or not, is showing respect. And it was such a constant thing he brought up to where I was like, oh, something horrible happens in this household when you two are the only ones here and she doesn't say thank you. Like, and he... He had big Doc Antley energy, and I never got what his full grift was, but he invited us to live with him by the end of the night, which is not the first (laughs) time that's happened to me. It's actually happened quite a lot, because again, and this was a thing, my partner and I at the time had this this habit of being met by weird people in the middle of nowhere, and they would invite us into their lives, and we would say, yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah. And then things would get horribly uncomfortable. Um and that time we were just like, as soon as we got in the car, like, no, this guy lives too far out in the middle of nowhere. He could make us di- like, it's it, we just need child to bride lose this guy's number and never come back here. Um, so I don't know what was going on there. You never, you often don't learn the whole story, right? You never know the whole. If, story. If you're smart, you never learn the whole story. That that's something I learned. I mean, just yeah. doing <laughs> touring. Your whole adult life, you do, especially in your 20s, because you're looking for adventure more than you're just going through life. Especially if you're stand-up, because you're like, I'm going to get, I need some stories. Um, So early on, I would say yes to people after, you know, I would go places you're not supposed to go. And it only happened a couple of times. But there was always weird animals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, always. Very often. No, reptiles are pretty common. That normally didn't throw me off, but like, there would always be like, the time I remember where I was like, oh, I'm never doing this again, was these people, I I talked about pot, and they're like, hey, do you want to smoke afterwards? And I was like, sure. So I got in the car and went with them, and then there weren't, it was like, there was a snake, and then they had weird rodents. But as pets. Define weird. Like ferret type rodents that weren't. Do you know what I mean? Like where Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know what those are. Something. It's like it was very clear that they went to some effort to acquire animals people don't normally have access to. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then by smoke, they pulled out heroin. And I was like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, baby. Okay, I can't. (laughs) 
I can't. This is I no. was like very polite, and I was like, I don't. That's not what I meant. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty clear on stage in front of three hundred people that I just smoked pot. And they were like, we thought you were sm- speaking in code because you called it dope. And I was like, maybe one. No. Uh, uh, it was just like, but then, like, that wasn't even the weirdest part. It was those weird rodents, I kept thinking. That was the key to me. Yeah. Like, that was weird. Like, I might have sat there and watched them smoke heroin. But the animals, where I was like, <laughs> I don't understand what they had. This has to do with that. And I don't like that. Yeah. This but, is uncomfortable to me. Yeah. My favorite weird animal stories is my great-great-uncle. I remember going, this was like I was five or six. I remember this so clearly. He had caught a raccoon. Like, he had a bunch of coon dogs. <laughs> so he did that. I thought the, the dogs were cool. Like, a bunch of beagles and a couple, actually, a coon hounds. And then, and they were cool. And then he had a trapped one in a cage. And I remember me and my dad walking up to look at it, and I went to pet it, and my uncle like slapped my hand. He's like, he don't like being pet. He's mean. And I remember <laughs> saying, then why do you have him? Why do you have <laughs> him as a pet? Here? And I remember the look on my great great uncle's face, like that had never occurred to him. Well, yeah, he's shocked. Like, what is there an option besides having this angry animal in my home? He's like, I caught one. I didn't shoot it. I caught it. So I was being nice. And I was like, that's yeah. what? I was never just being five, being like, let that fucker go. He doesn't like that. Growing up, my uh, my aunt was dating a fellow who had a, a huge number. This was in suburban Texas. Had a shocking number of exotic reptiles. In it. He had a shark in his suburban house, like a nurse right. shark. Um, and he also had a massive, <laughs> very ill, t- profoundly ill-tempered iguana. Now, I love reptiles. I'm a big <laughs> reptile fan. And as a little kid, I was even more into them. And I desperately wanted this animal to be my friend. And he had to sit me down and explain to me, like, when I got this animal, it was already an adult. It is not hand-trained. And it will kill you if it gets out and you get close to it. That tail can break a grown man's thigh bone. He would smash you into bits. <laughs> And then it got out like three days later when we were watching his house for him and his parents had to come over and there was like all of the adults in my life were basically like wielding broomsticks to try to knock this animal into like a box that they could lock it into and then throw the box in the cage. (laughs) It's this. Uh, Wow. Yeah. Why do you have this thing? (laughs) As an adult, I wonder, why would you continue to own an animal that hates you that much? Hates you. I Some... get, yeah, <laughs> profoundly hates you. I get having an animal that's indifferent to your existence because fish are fun, but hates you. <laughs> yeah. I don't like, know. I yeah. was messing with that. I remember messing with the liger. This guy had a, when we went to the cat lady, her husband brought out this liger cub. And I, oh no. We thought he was kidding because I didn't know they were really real because of napoleon mm-hmm. dynamite that's what i right thought, right you know right what i mean yeah so like literally when he's like it's a liger and me and the sound guy were like this fucking asshole um and then <laughs> as they're shooting b-roll i went and looked it up and i was like dude they're real they are real um so then i start messing with it and it's about the size of like a big labrador retriever do you know what i mean which is yeah. a cool size for a cat Cause like that's a fun dog to mess with too. Like you can kind of waller with it, and 
I was like messing with it like I would a dog, like with its mouth and all that. And then the guy goes, stop that. And I was, I was just like, what, what is it going to kill? He's like, no, no, no. He's like, when he gets older, he won't know that that's playing and he'll kill me playing yeah. like that. And I was like, oh, well, I'm leaving in like an hour. So I'm just going to keep doing this. Um, yeah, animals like that are kind of like the weird people you meet out in the woods in that you have to have very strong and sturdy boundaries in order to keep them successfully without getting killed by them. Yes. Um, but there's, I don't know. It's a healthy respect, I think. Yeah. Like we yeah. had it, uh, this, this girl lived in our back house for a while and she had a hairless cat that she rescued. Nope. And that was mean, mean cat. Uh, nope. Yeah. Attack everybody. Well, one day I walked in there when we were first getting used to it, and it was just me and the cat, and the cat came at me, and I was raised on a farm. So my foot did this instinct thing and kicked the shit out of the cat across the thing. Sure. Because mm-hmm. uh, we're establishing boundaries. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> my wife and our tenant uh, a couple weeks later was like, why doesn't the cat attack you? And I was like, oh, we have an understanding, because I attacked back. Mm-hmm. And they would never the attack. They were just afraid of the cat for two years. And I was like, you guys, it's an animal. Yeah, there's a certain level, and I think you have to grow up around animal. Like, I grew up on a cow farm. That was a lot of my earliest memories. Like, it wasn't, we owned the farm. They weren't our cows. Somebody else basically licensed the farm. But, like, it was my backyard was, like, 150 acres full of, you know, 100-something head of cattle and these two bulls that were pinned up separately, that bulls were. And, like, the only, the only like, warning I got from my parents was, like, don't get close to the bulls because they'll, they'll kill you. But yeah. it was also just, like, go do, like, you have a dog. Like, the dog is expected to keep you alive. Go out and wander around in the field. Um... And there's a level of, I I was maybe six the first time I saw, like, the severed head and spinal column of a, of a dead calf. Um, and yeah. it was because some sort, some sort of animal was murdering calves in our yard. And then my dog found it in the morning and dragged it out to show us and was like, look, guys, look what I got. This <laughs> is crazy. so happy. There's yeah. free food back there. <laughs> yeah. This is such a good day. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you guys look so sad? This is great. This is the best team thing ever. Yeah, um, it was just and laying there. This to your comment about just sort of like responding to an animal attacking you, like yeah, you fucking kick it, you know, mm-hmm. like you kick it. There's a level of it, it. Brutality is the wrong word because brutality implies that it's pointless. There, but there's a level of acceptance of physicality that is sometimes violent with animals that comes with growing up in the country. Um, yes, there was a thing. Like again, on my like um uh, my partner, former partner's um uh, land out in the middle of nowhere. Like they had a farm, and every now and then they would shoot a coyote on it. And in order to keep the coyote away from the things you don't, the other coyotes away, you would hang the dead coyote up as a warning to the others because they're smart enough; they know what like that means. Like they see the corpse of a coyote hanging above a barn, they're like, "Oh yeah, don't fucking go near there. Those people will kill you." Um, yes. it's just like a thing that you do, um, that, that I think, uh, it's communication and yeah. it's, a, it's a, it's nature's communication is more aggressive than a lot of, uh, city dwelling people understand. Yeah. I see yeah. it like one of the things that frustrates me and actually makes me laugh. Uh, it used to frustrate me. Now it just makes me laugh. Uh, yeah, it still frustrates me. Is in LA you see because 
vanity is such a problem here and aesthetic is what people are going for they'll they like the look of a certain dog yeah and they'll buy a dog that's not like its breed is like like a good example is like my cousin-in-law he had a beagle and he was like the thing is so loud and it just like oh, yeah. it tears up my house oh and, and they like, have yeah. horrible health problems with their ears yeah, and I was like, yeah, yeah, because you shouldn't have it in Culver City, California. No, that's that dog not where needs it's for. to be just chasing whatever, it, and it's loud because it needs me to hear it. So I go shoot the thing it's chasing. Yeah, it, it, it's and, like it's like yeah. people. I don't know. I don't want to go on like a rant about huskies, but it's Hollywood's a weird place for a dog like that to exist, and you yes. see them. Um, but it, it's also like. Yeah, there, there's there's this there's two kinds of people who will tell you that their dog is a wolf. Um, it's it's people in like fucking Portland, Oregon, uh, who who want to seem cool and just have a perfectly normal husky dog, and then it's people out in the middle of nowhere who are telling you, "Don't go into that fenced in yard. That's where we keep the fucking wolf dog." Wolf. And that's a wolf. Yeah, they yeah that's different. a wolf. Like, oh, that's you a wolf. can't you can't have him inside. He just destroys things. He will eat his way. He will bo- get bored and eat his way through the wall. Let me show you what he did to the last wall when we let <laughs> yes. him inside before. Yeah. <laughs> we tried to domesticate him, but then we realized evolution hadn't domesticated him yet. <laughs> yeah. So we keep him outside now. Turns out he's just a hundred and eighty pound monster that we keep in the yard <laughs> yeah he and what we've and if we're being real honest he allows us to keep him that's what yeah. it is that's... that fence won't hold him <laughs> if, he, if he continues to not eat the children we'll we'll keep feeding him. we're good we're good <laughs> um i i think that's the whole thing with the tiger king though yeah. like they don't i don't think people city people understand the relationship that you have to have with animals uh in rural areas they're more yeah. part of your life like when i go to alaska uh i know i had to learn what animals like you see a moose and they look goofy and silly they're huge but the way they move is just like okay. i guess but yeah they, they walk like murder assholes. people yeah, yeah. more oh, yeah. than humans do in alaska so it's like that kind of stuff where it's like Someone got, someone walked out of the Anchorage Public Library while I was up there one time, and a moose kicked his head off. Not completely, yeah. but like enough to make him dead. And that is why basically everywhere in Alaska, you're allowed to carry a gigantic handgun around if yes. you want. Yes, and, and you can be a little drunk. That's <laughs> the rule. Sure. Yes. I, mean, I, I don't see how being drunk should stop anyone from carrying a gun, Billy. That's your right as an American. I just, just mean like legally the in a fathers. lot of places, oh, yeah. you can't yeah. be drunk and with a gun. But in Alaska, sure. you can mm-hmm. be. And when you go up there, you're like, oh, this, that makes sense. You should be a little drunk. It's okay. interesting, on a little of a rant, which place, because in Texas, right, if you have a concealed handgun license in the state of Texas, any amount of alcohol, you could potentially get arrested. It's kind of up to the officer's discretion, even if you're under the legal limit. If you have a concealed handgun license and are carrying, they can at their discretion arrest you because um, Texas That's has... That's a good rule. It's not a 
terrible rule necessary, especially Texas has um, one of the highest rates of alcohol-related violent crimes in the United States. So, like, there's no a specific way. thing they're dealing with. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. way. I have a friend who was driving down fucking the, uh, the, the fucking high five in DFW and a bullet just went through the windshield of his car right in front of his face as he was driving. Like, who knows? I'm sure alcohol was involved. Um, whereas in Oregon, you can be as drunk as you want while carrying a concealed handgun. And as far as I know, it's never caused a problem. And I choose not to look into that any further, Billy. No. Um, well, you yeah. need people. You need lumberjacks. And you need lumberjacks. And try to find a lumberjack that's not drunk with a gun. Yeah, you yeah, sure. Do your best. It's yeah. like drug testing servers. There's not going to be a restaurant. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. If you if you require chefs to be sober, there will be no food. Nope. Yeah, it just won't happen. Yeah. So Billy, we're gonna roll out to ads here, and I don't have a good transition. But when we come back, that was smooth. That's one of your smoother ones, yeah. actually. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about what happens when like this these specific. The specific species of rural weirdo goes elsewhere in the world because I have a story or two about that. Uh, um, that is, okay. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about an expat I knew. the 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 rough story, I uh, the 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 title of the story I'll give you is the pedophile who saved my life. Um, so we'll we'll talk about that uh, when we come back from ads. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're back. What if Billy? it's just Jared? What if what if the pedophile who saved your life was just Jared Vogel from Subway? Because he you just lost a lot of weight. Even. He was a little bit like if um, Bhagavan Antley uh, was a was a was a pedophile, which he might, in fact, be. I mean, um, but if he was, that name doesn't help. <laughs> there was a weird Hindu mystic connection to this Billy, guy. Billy, so, take my money for that. Joke. <laughs> so we're talking about like the weirdos, like because the, the kind of people who are the focus of Tiger King and the kind of people that I think. I certainly find really charming about rural America. Like, is part of what draws me out to the middle of nowhere is meeting these weirdos who are too weird. Y- they couldn't live in a city. They just no. it wouldn't. It wouldn't work. You know? Right. No. The most normal guy in the entire docu series was that Mario guy that was sentenced to a hundred years behind bars. Yeah, yeah, he's the, a nice the, guy. The guy in South Florida that was had mm-hmm. the compound and he wouldn't let people in. Oh, the guy that Scarface was based on? The Scarface guy, yeah. Scarface yeah, I like that cat. guy. He seemed yeah, like he a good guy. Yeah, he was the most normal guy in the entire thing, and he was the guy that was sentenced to prison for 100 years and then That's got out friend, after 12. My friend mm-hmm. Brooks Whelan, a very funny comedian, said that about... He was like... He was like yeah, the guy that based Scarface, they based Scarface on, he's not even interesting enough to be in this documentary. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I was like, that is true because he's he's pretty smart. Yeah, he's smart. He clearly like it, the murders and stuff that he was related in were you know business related as sort of like a practical pragmatic thing. And I think yeah. all of the other people who again I am explicitly alleging here have committed murder. Um, I think mm-hmm. they were more passionate killers. You know. Um, well, they got in the way of something they wanted. They got in it the wasn't way. a business problem. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yes. Yes. Like you, if you were to hang out on Mario's land with him, you'd be perfectly safe, right? Yes. Unless you like tried to do violence to him, and I'm sure you would have a great time because he seems like a he seems like a pretty cool dude, in spite of the fact that I'm sure there's mountains of blood on his hands. But sometimes you meet cool dudes who have killed a lot of people. Well, it's and I don't think that <laughs> shook him. Yeah. Like you said, I think. He's a business person, so he's yeah. like, "Hey, there's a good UFC fight on. I've got it. I'm gonna we're yeah. gonna use a projector. The lions yeah. are gonna watch. It's gonna be a good time." You're like, "I bet he's got good pot. I bet he's got great pot." He reminds me of some folks I've hung out with in like rural Bosnia, where it's like, you about 15 years ago, you did some things that I wouldn't believe if you told me, but we're having a good time now and you have so many weird puppies. Yes. I also really respected his wife's uh, monkey clothes collection as somebody who dresses their animal and clothes against their will. Yeah, yeah, that's important. It's the same type Animals of- don't have a right to not be dressed up. I, I believe that strongly. Yeah, that is mean. I, but Anderson, I like would you the- like a treat? Yeah. It is the type of like that Mario guys that you're exactly right. He has the same energy as like a former like I worked for military intelligence mm-hmm. and that's why I married this Russian lady and I and I help her raise yeah. these lions. 
where you're just like, my yeah. life was very exciting. Now I'm retired. Yeah. And this is kind of boring and nice to me. Yeah, this is boring and nice, and I need I need whatever I do during the day to have like a chance of killing me, but I don't want it to require that much effort. Yes, <laughs> yes, like, and I need to know why it's going to kill me every day and not yeah. change. Yes. Yeah, I've known variants of that guy whose dangerous thing was they were ho- self-taught electricians who had like retired to the <laughs> land and had they had projects and yes. every one of their projects was like, well, one of these days you're gonna slip up, <laughs> like and this will catch up to you. And they say negative stuff about the BLM for no reason. (laughs) Oh, they're very angry at the BLM. Yes. Where I I don't even know. Is that some terrorist group? Oh, no, they're just, okay. I got what it is. Yeah. As a general rule of the folks we've talked about today, probably less than a third of them have legal driver's licenses, but all of them drive. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so the pedophile who saved my life. So Yeah, back to that. <laughs> we've got these, there are all these weird people that we've talked about who live out in the middle of the country and because they're, they're too weird for cities. And then there's another classification of people. And most of the ones I've met are, in fact, Southerners. But they're too weird to live in the middle of nowhere. They do something that gets them exiled from the United States and they wind up as expats. Um, and they're, they're always, it's... So I'll just tell you about this guy. So I'm in Guatemala, um, and we're, I'm hiking. There's this big fucking volcano, the tallest peak in Central America, that I, that I hike up with a friend of mine, and we have a, little, a couple of friends of mine, and we have a little standoff with some bandits, and it, it was a great, great memory. And so we come down this mountain, um, and we get on a bus to head back to the place we're staying, which is like five hours away from the mountain in, in rural Guatemala. And the place we're staying is Lago Atitlan, is this beautiful place that has a decent amount of tourism, you know, relatively built up cities, even though it's kind of out of off, like a, a little in the middle of nowhere. But the road there, you're just in the fucking jungle. So like a couple of weeks earlier when we'd been on one of these drives, we'd been we'd like chartered a bus and had been driving in a bus and we just got stopped in the middle of the jungle at midnight by a dozen men in camouflage with no patches or rank or insignia and machine guns who stopped us and searched our vehicle, said nothing and then waved us on. And that's then, that's the way you want that to happen, though. Yeah, that is the way you want that to happen. And there was like an empty flipped over box truck, you know, a quarter mile down the road with its lights on that had clearly been robbed. Like, who the fuck knows what was going on? But this is like the kind of country that you're driving through. And we're driving through it and we take what's called a chicken bus. And a chicken bus is a giant school bus that's been covered in chrome and painted ridiculous colors. And they drive them on these hairpin, a lot of times unpaved mountain roads. They'll fill them up with fucking 200 people and just be darting down these things at 70 miles an hour hour it's it's (laughs) real fun so we're taking this chicken bus and there's the aside from you know my friends and i it's it's my partner at the time her girlfriend and my friend josh and we're all fucking uh we're all in this car and we're the only other like uh, 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 we're, we're, we're the only other white people other than um, this one French Canadian girl who's seated up front and everyone else is a local. And when we get the bus stops in the middle of a random small town and they tell us our connecting bus is there and it's the middle of the night and they toss our bags off and they toss the French Canadian girl's bags off and then they drive off with her still in the bus. So <laughs> we realize 30 minutes or so into this, we're in the middle of a jungle there's no one around us. We're not in a town and no bus is coming to pick us up. And also we have this stranger's back and we're in fucking bandit country. So 
after you know, I don't know. And her bags in French. We don't even know what it means. (laughs) So thirty or forty minutes go into this, and we just start hiking. Um, And it's a kind of situation where, like, yeah, this could go really, really badly. Like we're we're in the middle of nowhere. We don't even really know how to. We have a vague direction for where the town we're going is, but it's probably at least a five hour hike away. we're just in the middle of nowhere in the jungle in a foreign country. And as we're hiking and like terrified as to whether or not we're ever going to like figure out how to get to where we're trying to go, this Range Rover pulls up and sitting in the front of a Range Rover is a dude who looked like the Dobert guy. He was a, can I, can a, I interrupt? Yeah. Land Rover or Range Rover? Land Rover. Okay. Cause he the Range Rover, Land Rover, that would even, that's even more like, what the, where the fuck you got a Range Rover? <laughs> no, no, this was like a real, like, this wasn't like a, like a, like an LA mom Land Rover either. This yeah, was yeah, like, yeah, I was like just thinking like NFL wife. Like, yeah. yeah, I got you. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So he pulls up and he's like this Dilbert, da- Scott Adams looking motherfucker. Like he's, he's thin and he's bald and he has a very like gentle Arkansas accent. Um, So like, and yeah. So he pulls us. So he pulls over by the side and he asks, like very politely, "Do y'all need a ride?" And we're like, "Yes." You know, what are the odds that we run into this American in the middle of someone like we can talk to and very easily explain where we're going? And so we pile into his car and he's like, "Oh, it's you know, it's great that y'all are heading to Atitlan. I'm headed there myself." And then he picks up a bag of raw meat of an indeterminate type that is sitting like by my feet in the front seat of the car and says, I'm going to go sell this to my friend, Paul. He runs a hotel in the town. (laughs) And this sparks a very strange series of conversations. So it becomes clear that he's butchered some, some animals um, and has decided to drive the unrefrigerated meat down to try to sell to a hotel. And that sparks a conversation about why he had to leave the United States in the first place, which is, See, he has these theories, Billy Wayne. He had these very uh, theories based on Hindu mythology about how his wife needed to eat and hydrate while she was pregnant with their child. See, and- this is when I would have been asleep in the back, <laughs> and I would have woke up being like, keep going, go on. Yeah, yeah. So what's happening here? Well, his theory was that it was actually all of the problems kids have is because their moms eat while they're pregnant, and that his wife shouldn't eat anything at all, nothing but water. Um, and his proof that this has, had worked was that his baby came out blue, which meant that it was blessed by ah! Shiva. <laughs> so at this point, no. we're still in the, in the jungles of Guatemala in a guy's car who we're reliant on to get us to the town. And now we're having this. And I look back and like everyone, everyone in the back of the car has kind of that look on your face. And I realize like, I have to. I have to continue this conversation yep. for however long it takes us to get where we're going. Oh, that's what that phrase, nothing is free, means. Yeah. Like, oh, there's a tax on this ride. <laughs> so we talk about, he has a lot of opinions on rainbow gatherings, which are like this thing that hippies do that's kind of like a precursor to Burning Man. It also still occurs. It's like a gathering, and you'll you'll encounter different opinions on rainbow gatherings depending on who you talk to. This guy thinks they're a great thing, but is very angry, angry because he got banned from ever attending again for misunderstandings. Um, and it becomes very clear that the misunderstandings are consent-based and also very clear this is a lifelong pattern for this guy. So we're 
talk as we we finally do get close to town, which I was happy to hear. And as we get close to our hotel, and our hotel is the guy who ran it was another creepy expat, but a British expat, so not dangerous. Um, not at all. And no. Not at all. He had like four <laughs> wives, but it was fine. I mean, it wasn't fine. One of them like. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. he, he wasn't parts, this guy. <laughs> I'm they, sorry, there was, what? They, they would make leaps in their stories. You'd be like, oh, there's some parts I think they're leaving out. That's, yeah. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Like, so we're, what just happened right now? Continue. So we're, we roll up to the hotel, and he's like, so Paul doesn't like to talk to me anymore, but I need to sell him this meat because it won't survive the trip back. Could you convince him to buy this meat from me? <laughs> Which... I have to try to do because he's given yeah, us a do. ride. I was gonna say you, you, this is like hearts and yeah. minds. You got to, and I, and I do. And Paul does not want to buy the meat. And the guy hangs out in town, sleeping in his car for another couple of days, trying to sell this meat to people. And we had Paul's a couple like, of local friends. Paul's like, like, I know who sent you here. I know who sent you. Yeah. <laughs> So the next day we're out like walking around town and we see this guy and say hi. And one of our local friends, we had a couple of friends who are like actual like Guatemalan uh, locals. Um, He sees us talking to this guy. Uh, This is a dude we like we drunk with a little bit. He was the security guard at our hotel. So we would hang out at night and have a couple of beers and he would let us shoot his gun into the air because every night he would shoot his gun into the air. So people knew a guy with a gun was at the hotel. Um, So that guy. Communication. That's what we're (laughs) talking about. Sold his pot, too. He was a great dude. He um, sounds fun. <laughs> he was awesome. He comes up to us after we say goodbye to this fellow, and he says, and notably, he looks less friendly than he ever has before, and he very carefully asks us, is that man your friend? And I say very clearly, no, not really. He just gave us a ride last night. I don't really know him. And he said, yeah, well... That guy has done some very bad things to some of the kids in this town, and we're going to run him out of town tonight. And if he doesn't leave on his own, like he's going to go by other means. Um, and you probably shouldn't be seen talking to him. <laughs> so that was the that's my story of the pedophile who saved my life. It's not as exciting maybe as it sounds, but it was a fun two days. Well, and wow. then you you gave him some extra time in town, so I. Not like, out, not on purpose. No, that's what I mean. But like, <laughs> yeah. he saw you guys and was like, "Oh, this is a little." This is good my grace. ticket in. Yes. Yeah. This is because these guys are mad at me because of my my yeah. my misunderstandings. I don't know. I love weirdos. Like, obviously, I don't love that this guy was has been leaving a trail of broken lives and had to flee the United States because he definitely poisoned his kid. Who he was, he assured us his kid was doing great and a genius, but. No, no, he's not. no, he's not. <laughs> no, no. What he did was malnutrition. That's what he. What did. you did was malnutrition, and you are the kind of expat who just can't ever come back home. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. Is is it was fun. Um, there I are another, like those yeah. places though, like where like. I have. I, it just made me think of like a friend of mine was touring the world doing stand up, and he was like, I called him, and I was like, Where are you at? And he's like, I'm trying to get out of, and I'm not going to say the islands he was in in the South Pacific or Southeast Asia, <laughs> but he was trying because he was like, I just realized the guy I was staying with is not as cool as I thought. 
I was like, why? And he was like, well, he said he's not allowed back in South Africa. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, man, you should go right. You should. I'm not. I'm gonna hang up right now. I don't want to be talking. You know to what? You. That's not super easy to get banned from South Africa. That's what I told. I was like, it's. I was like, they're pretty loose on what you can do there. He's like, no, I'm aware. You need to have done a very specific kind of bad thing to get banned from South Africa. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that was, he was like, no, no. And the, he said it so casually, too. I was like, yeah, that, you got to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Y- you wind up, I wound up kind of slightly beholden to some folks like that over the years because like I was always working while I was living on the road and so I would it was critical to me to have internet access so sometimes you just have to be good friends with whoever owns the business with the best internet access in town and sometime it was like there was this other guy who owned a bar in Guatemala who was a former highway patrol officer from Arizona um and said that one of the first things he told me when I met him was like, I used to be a highway patrol officer in Arizona and I can never go back now. And he clearly had in the recent past had a couple of hundred grand to spend on buying a hotel and a bar. And those two things were connected. Yeah, they are. Yeah. (laughs) He was a crooked highway patrol officer. Yes. And, And he was also like the big drug dealer in town. Um, which I'm sure also tied into why he's no longer it's, a highway patrol officer. He saw a business opportunity and was like, I don't want to be in law enforcement anymore. No. I want to run a shady-ass bar that gets European kids dangerously intoxicated uh, on, uh, on their holidays. And that's what he did. My last memory of this guy is... Because he also had a 17-year-old wife who'd just given birth. Um... <laughs> which is another it's a pattern. type it's, it's a, a type. type that's what yeah. i don't think people that don't the travel, same eyes they don't yeah. under, i've told people this a long time ago too it was like some of my friends that don't travel is like we'd be in a bar and i'm like hey this is gonna happen this is gonna happen this is gonna mm-hmm. happen they'd be like what and then it would happen they're like how'd you know that i'm like i just i've seen this yeah. this is yeah. we're all the same yeah yeah, this guy got invited us to a cool party. No, I've known this guy before, and you do not want to go to that party. No, fact. you don't. It's going to get weird about one forty-five in the morning. That's when it gets. It's going to be yeah. fun until then. And you're like, oh, we're, this this wasn't the party, was it? Yeah, oh, no. and it's not going to just get like weird. Like your friend gets drunk and starts crying. It's going to get like nothing else will ever be normal again for the rest of your life. Weird. Yes, <laughs> it will change you as a person. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, my last memory of that cop was he had his baby on a bassinet around his chest, and he was shirtless other than the baby he was wearing, and he was leaning over the counter of his bar with a jar of mushrooms preserved in honey, and he was spooning them into a naked Danish boy's mouth. <laughs> yes. it's just like, bye, Alan. <laughs> yes. And here's the thing I don't think people yeah. understand, like, unless you've been in these situations, like, yeah. the, I could we, I could do this podcast for 18 hours. Uh-huh, uh, yeah. Because everything you bring <laughs> up, there's, like, things I've forgotten, like, oh, yeah, that guy, or oh, that time. Yeah. It's like, you, what, like, you can't stop these people. No. You can't stop the Tiger King. You can't stop Carol Baskins. No. They have an energy that, that's what propels them in this life. It's like a trunk kind yeah. of person that kind of goes through. Only thing that stops them is them. Yeah. Like Carol Baskins will 
eventually, like, her wanting fame the way she does is going to be her undoing. Yeah, yeah, it's the... I don't know. I don't know philosophy, but there's a thing people who I know who talk about philosophy talk about, a phrase they use, the will to power. And I don't really know what that means. But there is a will to something specific in all of these people. Power, I guess, might be one way to define it, but it's usually something weirder than that. I think Carol Baskin has this will to, like, I want to be the person who takes care of the most hurt cats. Yes. Um, like, the Bhagwan, Bhagavan wants... What like you see what he wants? Like this, he's built this little paradise for himself. They all want. He called himself Lord. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's very clear where you're like, like as a yeah. Or I'm gonna armchair therapist this. And be like, oh, okay, big they fan wanna... of the doc, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and most of them are harmless on the societal level because their dreams are so specific, right? Yes. They want to have a hundred cockatoos or something like that. Yes. And it's like, okay, like, yeah, I want to give more mushrooms to 17-year-old Danish kids than anyone else has ever done. Yeah, fine. Like, uh, I mean, not fine because some kids got into some really bad health situations over there. But, like, whatever. They knew what they were getting into, yeah. more or less. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, taking some stuff where I'm like, yeah. I shouldn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's whatever. Um most of them don't do societal levels of harm because of the specificity of their dreams. Yes. And I guess that's the thing. The ones that are can be fun to hang out with and that can give you cool stories are the ones who have a weirdly specific dream. Um, and But also sometimes that dream is to see what happens if they don't let their white eat, wife eat while she's pregnant. <laughs> it is. Well, it breeds that. Because uh, well, like... It reminds yeah. me of, like, in because of the eighties and nineties when there was a huge comedy boom. Yeah, like it. Yeah. These guys would own these clubs, and some of them still exist. And there's like a handful of them that are very Tiger King esque type. Yeah, because what it is, they own their own little kingdom that doesn't yes. really mess with anything else. And the people that come in their kingdom come and go. But it's theirs, so they make the rules. And like, there's certain clubs where I'm like, oh, I just don't play there anymore because you just that's you just can't. I don't have to. He has this trap where like that's the business model or whatever. Where it's like he's gonna drink three bottles of Crown Royal in three days and then take his shirt off after the show. You know what? Mm. But he gets to do that because he's the owner, and I need fourteen hundred dollars this week. Yeah, yep, yep. That's it. Yeah. That's capitalism, too. Yeah, that's that's the problem, like, that. that's a big part of my issue with capitalism, is the amount of power it gives these people. Like, these people are a product of, of capitalism in a lot of ways. Like, there's aspects of what's going on in their head that obviously, I'm sure, whatever it is makes these people the way they are, people like this have always existed. But the fact that they are able to hold money over other people is at the end of the day what makes almost all of them able to do the the bad stuff that they do um, because that gives them power over people. And it is this, the problem isn't, it's not necessarily a bad thing to want to live on a compound in the woods because I have a fond dream, Billy. Of, I have of, several Zillow properties. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 and getting to shoot off my porch and ride ATVs with my friends and maybe keep a tiger or two. And some alligators, right? Well, Who doesn't and want a couple of alligators? The way things are looking, 
Yeah. I think a tiger or two might just end up on our property. It's possible. Mm. And what's what's the harm? The problem is is that they build these fiefdoms that are based on the, the this very strict hierarchy that is them. And the only yes. thing that really matters, they're all cults, right? Um, even if there's no religious, like all of the people in Tiger King are cult leaders. Yes. Um, that guy I met in his fucking ranch in nowhere, California, was a cult leader. He just only had one member, but he was it hoping was that he would started. get two more. Yeah. Um, that's that's what it is, and it's if we discarded capitalism tomorrow for a, a more ethical system, they would still exist, but it would be harder for them to do what it is they do. Yes. Um, it would be more, them, it, would, yeah. it would take longer and it would be a Carol Baskin situation yeah. where you have to volunteer and then this, this tiered, because they're all, they're all wonderful manipulators. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. of them. They because all, that's what they're doing to the animals, is they're manipulating these base animals I mean, they're manipulating these animals on this base thing. Like, you want food? You got to do this. You got to do this. Yeah. And that's what they're doing to these people that want to be around the cats. Yeah. And that's why my motto is never trust anyone with a well-behaved dog. Just mm. any anyone who can train a dog is a dangerous, manipulative person. That is, is. my... I'm taking a strong stance against the training of dogs here. Um, that's... Well, some of them. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a bit that didn't doesn't have any legs but it sometimes kind of, you say I mean, like things. a german shepherd yeah. is like you can't really control one they say they're very smart but they like everybody i've ever talked to is like every now and then they just go nuts and you're like well then yep. <laughs> it's like that'd be like if you're, you're like yeah i mean i have this machine gun it's pretty great every now and then it just shoots for no fucking reason it, it, <laughs> it usually only fires when i pull the trigger i mean that's a little bit like owning a taurus actually but <laughs> <laughs> get it or s certain Remingtons, unfortunately. Um, yeah. You gotta make things yeah. in mass. Shit. Look, triggers are hard. You can't ex it's, be expected to get them all right. They're not that important either. You know. No, exactly. There's so many other parts of the gun to get right, but the trigger. <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh <laughs> uh, Jesus. Well, Billy, I feel like have, you got any other stories you wanted to make sure to to drop out on this one before we we roll out from this special uh, episode. Uh, so special. I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to, I mean, there's not like, I mean, I went to the people in Nevada. That was one that stood out because she was a big cat and that was a very specific type of human being. Um, but animal people are, weird animal people are always fascinating. I mean, I've got, I spent a lot of time in Florida, so I've got, I could, I'll write a book about some of these characters because it's just. Yeah. I there's an I know that I am profoundly driven to meet and hang out with these kinds of people in my life and it has caused me to make a number of decisions that if my life were a movie I would have gotten murdered very quickly. Oh, like I have regularly I be... been like oh I'm in a cabin in the woods and there's a dangerous person showing me his antique gun. Okay. Hmm, you know <laughs> like um, I let a drunk native girl in our uh cabin in Alaska uh, at oh, five no. in the morning. Oh, boy, yeah. I mean, I eventually got her out, but the next day I told people about it, and they were they yelled at me not to. They were like, oh, that would have been, that could have been terrible, dude. 
because everyone's armed. I was like, I don't know, it was snowing, it was cold, I don't know. They're like, nope, just leave her. And I was like, okay, all right. Just because, oh. like, you're not supposed to let strangers into your cabin at night? Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. I we I make the we make these bad calls because there there is something like with the tigers. Mm-hmm. There's something intoxicating about yes. being around this kind, which is why they're able to form cults. And the healthy amount to be around them is just long enough to realize they're profoundly dangerous. And then you leave with a story. Um, That's, and I'm sh- yeah. You just nailed why I love the show. That's. <laughs> It's because I've been around all these people, yeah. and it's scary. But when I'm watching them through the television, I can turn it off, and it's just funny. Yeah, this won't be a problem for me. For me. It's, for me. Yes. Yeah. It will be a problem. It is a problem. For me. Yeah, on a societal level, it's a problem. Um, and can it's a problem another, for a lot of individuals. Huh? Yeah. Can I ask you another, just a quick when did you realize meth was such a part of it before? I mean, because they don't tell you till later, but like, when was it clear? Oh, when I saw when I saw the boyfriend's teeth, you know? Yeah. Th- that, that was a pretty clear like, OK, that's what that's that's I mean, there's also like Joe's general demeanor. Yeah. You can tell when people have been abusing methamphetamine for a long period of time because of their speech patterns and the way that they move their body in a lot of ways and in a way that kind of like the their emotions within a sentence will arc that's yeah when he's on the four-wheeler chasing that tornado (laughs) i was cry laughing (laughs) and i was like they've got to talk about him being on drugs i was like that's someone on drugs yeah it's my wife was like, well, I don't know. People, they, the tornadoes happen there a lot. And I was like, yeah, they do. And that's why people don't chase them on fucking four-wheelers. They do yeah. happen a lot. They know not to do that. And I, I think the thing people have to understand about methamphetamine as it relates to these folks is that it isn't the cause of the behavior. In in the same way that if you start a gasoline fire, the gasoline doesn't cause the fire. The lighter causes the fire, just like any other fire you light. But the gasoline alters the character of the fire in certain predictable ways that can be dangerous. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, there are certain yeah. barriers nature has put in front of that human being that yeah. meth is like, we'll just get rid of those. Yep, yep. I've only done meth once, and it wasn't crystal meth. You know, it was it was in its pill form. Um, and that was about enough. You know, it... it, 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 it I can see how you can lose yourself in it because what it what it really does that's that I imagine would be most addictive is it makes it so much easier to tunnel into a task like that thing people talk about they talk about that state of flow um, mm-hmm. like that like fucking you know everybody in Silicon Valley is trying to figure out how to like hack your brain so you can be in a flow state and produce more um, meth is a shortcut to that in some ways and I was in uh, the one of the most blissful flow states of my life filling up 120 gallons worth of five gallon gasoline cans shirtless in the back of a truck in rural texas and i was not taking the proper safety precautions but i loved every minute of that you getting Um, it done yeah (laughs) um it's that and, and it's that joe is in joe lived his life in a state of flow 
um, until he wound up in prison because he was not thinking about certain consequences. No, no, he was not. No, that is a internet. That flow is like, I know, uh, friends of mine talk about the sipping that syrup, that codeine syrup. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, uh, and they talk about like, oh, I was there. Com- is a comedian friend of mine, and he was like, I was rapping and flowing. Like it was unbelievable. I was like, oh, so that he's like, it's he's like, your brain doesn't work until you start talking, and then it's the sharpest thing you've ever like you. You're the sharpest you've ever been when you talk. And I was like, oh, that's why rappers. He was like, that's exactly why rappers use it. He's like, because it channels this thing. And I was like, I was like, it also causes seizures. He's like, that's why I had to stop doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's that fucking DXM. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh it's just boy, fascinating because that's what we're all trying to get to is that yeah and i i think that um drugs and the kind of people who can make us feel like we're on drugs uh are are the most dangerous thing in the world um and uh they're also pretty fun so yeah go drive out in the middle of nowhere find a rich dangerous person and hang out for no more than three hours or so yeah that's gonna say i was gonna say yeah. yeah, treat them go. like like it's like Vegas is three or four days. Treated that kind of person like three or four hours. Yeah. yeah, 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 and like don't like when you're hanging around with a tiger. Don't turn your back on them. <laughs> that that's they are both that. wild animals. That yeah. is, it's yes, uh, yeah, yeah. And and if you haven't seen the Carol Baskins TikTok video, you should probably go do that. Sophie's a fan of the talks. I don't think it's going to catch on. No, don't don't like the talks like this talks. The Chinese are hoping it will. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to make it. Coronavirus the tweens joke, are hoping although there's an easy one to make. It you was know, a good one. I, we'll there's let the an fans easy one to make. It. Yeah, they can put that one together. There's enough of that from the racists that I don't need to encourage it. <laughs> I hate that when is... like I have an idea for like this would be a good joke, but it's not far enough from what racist people like from that from that kind of humor for me to make it it's not a welcome racist to joke, my career but welcome it's my yeah. whole career <laughs> yeah i know With this I know. mouth yeah 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 i oh i've got it i could sell yeah. that joke gotta I'm be careful to sell that one i can't do mm-hmm. it i'm gonna have to sell that one. that's a yeah. lot of yeah we did eventually just as a, a coda to the story of the pedophile who saved me we did eventually um we we got into contact. So like the next day when we were in town, like the Ayadante, which is like the assistant bus driver, like found us and got the woman's bag. And like I'd, we'd reached out to her on Facebook that night because we found her info written in the bag. And like he got the bag and we assumed everything was fine. And three years later, she messages me on Facebook like, I never saw this message until now. No, no one ever brought my bag to me. <laughs> so ah! I was like, oh, that guy just stole your bag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a good time. That's a, a great time. end. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I just saw this. Nah, I didn't get that back then. And that's the end of this episode. Um, yep. Go. G- Where can people follow you, Billy? Christ be At with you. Billy Wayne Davis on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you want to catch where I'm going to be touring one day, uh, one day, bwdtour.com. And then I have a cannabis uh, podcast coming out. April 20th. It's called Grown Local, where we go to 
the first season's about Eugene, Oregon, and the community and people that make up their cannabis. Growing. Excellent. Well, speaking of cannabis, a lot of dangerous rich people in the cannabis industry, so hang out in rural Oregon, too. It's a great place to meet them. Um, <laughs> I, you should listen. This yeah. is that's. I was doing that edit where I was like a couple of them. I was like, oh, that. Uh, well, we're that's a different podcast, so I can't yeah. talk about that one. On this one. <laughs> All right. This has been Behind the Bastards. You can find us online at BehindTheBastards.com, but there's no sources for this episode, just life experience. Um, you can watch Tiger King if you haven't yet. It's fun. It's exploitative, it's fun. but whatever. Like, it's also it's like really sad. I, I'm going to rule right now that it's okay to make exploitative TV about the South because of the Confederacy. So yes! That's the way we're going on this. And also, that's my whole career has been trying to... <laughs> Change the correct perception of the South. <laughs> yeah. Also, I yeah. guarantee we end up doing a Behind the Bastards on Jeff Lowe one day. That guy seems okay. to have so many Anybody, crimes. Oh, you wear an Oakley hat like that? Immediately. I was like, Immediately. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Anyways, you can follow us at Bastards Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Robert at I Write OK. And you can buy a shirt or a mug or a... Uh, wall art or a sticker or a magnet at tpublic.com and you can take my again uh legally actionable advice to hang out with dangerous people in the middle of nowhere it always ends well or if you're bored you can listen to the women's war i have that is also an option you could do it on the way to where they live oh there we go because you're gonna you're gonna be driving 90 minutes or more yeah they're always like and they always talk about like it's a short drive. You need to ask what that means to a lot of people like that. It's never. Yeah, you're gonna it. get a, get a lot of direction that tells you to turn at stumps and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Anyways, this is the this is the episode. Yeah, and this is done. It's over. Bye. Bye. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.